0: Right. Um, but it's what 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 are the penalties for not doing this not complying
1: yeah sure you know so so disregarding this requirement if you do meet the definition of a re, of a reporting company um, it's a couple things one you could face civil penalties of five hundred dollars a day for the length of the violation or even criminal penalties which could be up to two years imprisonment and uh, and a maximum fine of ten thousand dollars. Welcome to Paychex Thrive, a business podcast where you'll hear timely insights to help you navigate marketplace dynamics and propel your business forward. Here's your host, Gene
0: Marks. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Paychecks Thrive podcast. Thank you so much for joining me. I'm here with Stephen Dombrowski. Stephen is the senior compliance manager, or a senior compliance manager here uh, at Paychecks. And today's conversation is about the Corporate Transparency Act. So first of all, Stephen, uh, thank you so much for joining. It's great seeing you again.
1: Yeah, good to see you, Gene. Glad to be here today.
0: Yep, glad to have you on. So the Corporate Transparency Act, now I've been talking about this to uh, uh, different industry associations on a very high level. So let's start at a high level. Tell us uh, about what this act is. What do we need to know about it?
1: Yeah. So uh, the Corporate Transparency Act, which many businesses are not familiar with yet, um, actually was enacted back in January of 2021, Gene. It was it was part of the National Defense Authorization Act. I mean, really, the the whole purpose behind it um, is it's intended to help safeguard uh, transactions here in the financial transactions here in the United States and and to help prevent things like money laundering, uh, terrorist financing. Uh, funneling drug trafficking funds into the financial network, uh, all of that sort of stuff. So it's it's really to help out uh, with preventing that. Um, now, the, the thing about the act is it specifically authorized a, a bureau of the U.S. Treasury Department that many business owners are not familiar with called FinCEN. Uh, it's called Financial Crimes Enforcement Network. It authorized them to collect beneficial owner data, which certainly we'll get into what does all that mean in the context of this conversation, uh, but to collect that. Um, and then also, in addition to collecting it, to providing some of that information uh, to authorized government authorities and even in some cases to financial institutions to help prevent uh, some of those things like money laundering or fraud, that sort of stuff.
0: So let me get this right. So uh, this is reporting not just to the government, but we're going to also have to report to our banks as well, some of this information?
1: Uh, Well, no, it's not separate reporting. It'll be reporting directly to FinCEN and then in certain cases uh, with authorization, a financial institution might be able to obtain some of that information.
0: Okay. And this new, um, this act, this, this regulation that's coming up, this applies to all businesses of all sizes, correct? I mean, I think there's a limitation of the type of business, but, uh, let me just make sure, you know, it's for regardless of the size of our company, though, everybody is going to have to be compliant. Is that wrong?
1: Um, you're essentially right, but there are certain categories of exemptions. Um, and, and, and in fact, uh, through the rule, they've established 23 specific types of entities that will not need to report their beneficial owner information. And And some examples of the companies that fall under the exemption, which is really well detailed on the FinCEN website, are, are government authorities, a lot of financial institutions like banks. Credit unions, money service businesses, even things like insurance companies, tax exempt en- entities, and certain large operating companies—they they will be exempt from reporting, and that's largely because they've already done a lot of reporting of the information. So, um, that being said, FinCEN has estimated—I think the number is about thirty-two million businesses across <laughs> America—they think are going to have to report. So, wow, pretty that, big
0: deal. Yeah, that 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 is a big file cabinet. Um, Uh, So we're going to be getting these forms, I guess. These are manual reporting or will this be done online?
1: No, it's going to be 100 percent online electronically filed information. Uh, They won't even allow any paper filing.
0: Okay. And when uh, are we getting notified of this anytime soon or is this something we should be doing like now on our own? (laughs)
1: Well, notification is a big question that that FinCEN has certainly been criticized of not notifying businesses well enough about this requirement. So um, at at the highest level, um, you can't report today because the website is not even open for reporting. The requirement to report begins January 1st, this upcoming January 1st, 2024, uh, to begin reporting. Uh, But reporting really falls into a couple categories of whether you're an existing business or if you are a newly formed business on or after January 1st, 2024. Um, And and there's some guidelines with the timelines involved with that that reporting. And and again, it'll be 100% electronic um, on their website.
0: Now, we'll get into the details in just a minute. But just I I had read that um, the Treasury Department was working on like an instruction manual or guidelines for employers. And uh, I'm, you know, I'm sure it won't be anything less than, you know, 2,500 pages long. But I don't know if you're, I mean, obviously, Paychex provides these kinds of services to help employers do it. But w- will there be any kind of guidance given from the Treasury? Have you heard any updates from them on this?
1: So so in fact, FinCEN on their website, um, which is really easily accessible, um, it, it, it's out there that they've developed what they call the small entity or small business entity compliance guide um it's it's a little bit lengthy it's about 50 pages um, but it does a fairly good job at walking uh, a business through um, whether or not they are even considered a reporting company and then when you get down to the level of okay well who is a beneficial owner uh, what do i have to report and also there's a, a category referred to as a company applicant that may have to be reported that guide Uh, does a pretty good job of walking individuals through as well as providing some examples. They do have some frequently asked questions available on their website as well. Uh, I think that the hard thing right now is nobody's seen this database yet. They haven't released any of the information, uh, and and we're less than a month away from when this is supposed to open up for reporting. Uh, So while we know the data points that have to be reported, uh, we don't know exactly how that's going to work yet.
0: Got it. So I'm I'm assuming that most, you said about 32 million plus uh, businesses will probably have to report. So I'm going to make the assumption that those listening to this or watching this are going to wind up being one of those companies that have to report. Um, These are C corporations, S corporations, partnerships, you know, all of that. So uh, it seems fairly likely. So, okay. So first of all, what do we have to report and on who? So give us some, some broad strokes there.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So at the highest level, first, once a company determines that they are a reporting company, they're going to have to report some basic information about that company. Those are things like their full legal name, if they've got any trade names, DBA names, a uh, current address, which is their, their principal place of business. And, and one caveat here is, if you are a foreign reporting company, Uh, Maybe you were formed outside of the United States and you've registered to conduct business in the in the United States. You'll have to provide this information as well, uh, along with that address. They're going to have to uh, provide uh, a a tax ID uh, issued by the IRS if they have that, like a TIN or an employer identification number. Or if they're a foreign reporting company and they don't have that, a tax ID associated with their company that they're, they're registered in. That's at the highest level. But then when we get down into the you know the beneficial owners, we've got two categories here. We've got a beneficial owner that has to be reported, and we've got a company applicant that may have to be reported if you're a newly formed business after January 1st. The reporting pieces of data are essentially the same. They're, they're the full legal name, date of birth, our current residential address in most cases. Um, and then he, here's one important thing, too, is they're going to have to provide a unique identifying number for that individual. That most commonly comes from a government issued ID like a U.S. passport or a state state or tribal driver's license, that sort of stuff. Um, and they're also going to have to provide a copy of the image of that document where the ID number came from. Um, so, so the, the, that's the primary information that they're going to have to report. I, I, I do want to mention there's a couple special reporting rules. We don't have, we won't get into depth here. That they are outlined in those guides I previously mentioned, where certain individuals may not have to report. I'll give you one quick example. Technically, a minor child could be a beneficial owner. Rare, but it's a possibility. Sure. In those cases. Rather than report the, the personal information of someone like a minor child, a parent or legal guardian's information could be reported until they reach the age of majority. That's just one example. There's a list of a few things that FinCEN ha, ha, has outlined. So that kind of, in a nutshell, covers the, the pieces of data that will have to be reported.
0: Okay. Um so I own a few stocks myself individually. Um uh, just to take an example like so I own Amazon stock which I'm really annoyed about cuz it's gone down in value, but that's a whole other conversation to have. So I am theoretically an owner of Amazon in my own tiny tiny example. Am I a beneficial owner? How do, how is that defined?
1: Well, if if you're a beneficial owner, uh you're earning Quite a bit of money because yeah, in that, I probably
0: wouldn't be doing this. Let's just say, OK, <laughs>
1: you know, in, in that case. And, in in, you know, that's a great, great example and great question. So so when we look at beneficial ownership, it kind of it's in two categories. You might not own any part of a company, but you may exercise substantial control uh, over that reporting company. Um, generally, that's. Folks like senior officers, important decision makers. Um, it's not based on job title. It's based on if they are an important decision maker, maybe they have authority to appoint or remove senior officers. But then the second category, and that's kind of, I think, your example where that would come in, is your ownership interest in the company. And the requirement today is that if you um, own or control at least 25%. Of the ownership interest in the firm, then you would be a beneficial owner. Um, you know, in in that ownership can look like many different things. You know, uh, you, you mentioned stock. You know, it, it, it could be in in equity in the company. It could be in voting rights. Uh, maybe you know, capital or profit interest. Those are just a few. Um, that all, all of those specifics of what ownership looks like are outlined in in their small entity compliance guide.
0: Got it. So wait, so Steven, let me do this really quick. So I'm just, at. this is my Amazon. I'm at 23.4%. So I'm below the 25% level of ownership in Amazon. So that's a relief. I I wouldn't be a beneficial owner. No, I actually, Steven, I don't own (laughs) 23.5%. Where do I. I? it would be nice. Um, you mentioned about, about, uh, you know, exerting control over the company. So th- that is important. I mean, if you, you know, you theoretically, somebody could theoretically be a 10% owner of a company. So they're under that 25% number, but they might still be the CEO, right? Or the big decision maker they would consider to be a beneficial owner of that company and then therefore, right, or they exert control, they would have to be reported on as well, correct?
1: Yeah, you're you're absolutely correct there, Gene. You you, you might exercise substantial control and um, have that ownership interest of 25% or more, or you might not have any ownership but yet exercise substantial control. In all those cases, you'd be considered a beneficial owner and your information must be reported.
0: And how do you? I, I, that seems like a bit of a gray area to determine what the control somebody might have if they're even if they're a CEO or they're a ten percent owner. I mean, a CEO can be like, "Hey, I, I can make decisions, but the board's got to approve all the big ones." So I, I'm not in control. You know what I mean? Like, the, do you, will there be any guidance to determine that sort of exerts you know you know control over a company?
1: Yeah, they they actually uh, do really have some extensive information um, in their guide because. Um, To your point, this is complex stuff, right? Um, You know, it gets involved in in the math and how much control and what type of control do I exercise? Um, and, And so what they've done in their guide that I do think is particularly helpful is they walk through a number of different examples. Now, hey, let's face it, that's not going to answer every question for every situation, but I think that's going to catch the vast majority of those situations to help understand what is control and what is ownership.
0: Okay. Um, I know this has to be asked. um, And of course, the question is obvious. I mean, we're going to submit this highly confidential information to the US government. So I'm sure, Stephen, you will confirm and guarantee that our information is completely and 100% safe and secure with the U.S. government, correct? we have that, please, while I witness it? <laughs> I mean, if please if say only that.
1: I had that, that, that <laughs> type of, of control. Um, yeah. But no, you, you know, I mean, that's, that's a really great point. All kidding aside, you know, one of the things that FinCEN has indicated that since it is going to be 100% electronic filing. Um, They've essentially given the indication that it will be a secure filing. Um, They're going to be utilizing um, information security methods and controls that are typically used in the federal government to protect sensitive information. Um, They're going to store all that information in a centralized database. Um, And and again, when we talk about sharing any of that information information, Um, They'll only be allowed to share that information with authorized users as prescribed and set forth in the CTA. Um, And and again, that typically involves things like government agencies. Most frequently, we'll probably see it be for law enforcement purposes. Uh, I mean, that's the whole point is to stop money laundering and, you know, uh, illicit use of funds and things. Um, And then when we talked about early on the financial institutions, Um, In certain cases, a financial institution may be able to receive some of that information, but only if they're provided authorization from the reporting company. Um, So so yes, they've indicated it will be secure. Can I give you my 100% guarantee? We know how that goes,
0: Stephen. If I start getting emails from Vladimir Putin after I uh, submit this information, <laughs> I'm, I'm coming. I'm coming after you. Okay, I want you to know that. <laughs> um, okay, so uh, two more questions, and I'll let you go. Uh, this starts January 1st. When? What's our due date? What's our deadline? When do we have to supply this information?
1: Yeah. So, so there's actually two scenarios that we've got to look at here, Gene. Um, so the first is if you are in a, a company that's been in existence prior to January 1st 2024. You can't begin reporting until January 1st 2024, but you do have essentially a full year grace period. You will have to complete your initial filing by January 1st of 2025. If you're a newly formed business owner after January 1st 2024, As written, the law would require that you must report your beneficial owner information within 30 days. Just recently, about a little over a week ago, FinCEN released some guidance. They've extended that deadline for the first year. So those newly formed businesses, they will have to report within 90 calendar days of being notified that their business has officially been been formed. That grandfather in for the first year will go away come January 1st, 2025, and then any newly formed business must report within 30 calendar days.
0: And uh, what about, what's the requirements if we have change in ownership?
1: Yeah, if you have change, that has to be reported. And, you know, I think that's something that that could potentially be overlooked. You know, when you think about it, they think, hey, I've done my initial filing, I did what I have to do. Um, There is the requirement that if you have change in any information, whether at the company level or the beneficial owner level, you're gonna to have to report that. Somebody moves, you report it. Your license expired and you got a new, new license ID number, you'll have to report it. Um, the one caveat there is the company applicants, um, who, who we didn't spend too much time talking about today, again, detailed in, in the guide, um, you will not have to report new information for them. And then, then the final category really there is it, it is possible that you filed incorrect information without realizing it with your initial filing. If you become aware of that, you will also have to update that information. and all that will have to be done within 30 calendar days.
0: Okay, boy, where's AI when you need it? You know you um, you mentioned company applicants. I, I can't let you go without asking a little bit about that because I, I, I forgot to ask you what what, what is what, what is a company applicant?
1: Yeah, sure. So so a company applicant um, can fall into two categories, all these categories we have here. Um, First, you you might be what's considered a direct filer. So let's say you're a business owner and you have one of your employees um, actually register your business when you first started doing business, maybe with a secretary of state or other similar government entity. You gave someone those directions. Hey, go on this website, do this filing. They would be a, a what's considered a direct filer as a company applicant. Or um, you yourself, if you gave that direction, you are also considered a company applicant. Um, and, and no firm will, will report more than a maximum of two company applicants. And again, you will only report that if you are a newly formed business on or after January 1st, 2024.
0: Got it. Okay. One more question uh, and I'll let you go. Uh, yo, what if we don't do this? <laughs> we blow it off. We uh, ignore it. I mean, you know, I mean, I have clients that get like census forms all the time. And I'm not saying this is right or wrong. Sometimes they don't fill them out and under penalty of death from the federal government. Right. Um, but it's, what, what, what are the penalties for not doing this, not complying?
1: Yeah, sure. You know, so so disregarding this requirement, if you do meet the definition of a re, of a reporting company, um, it's a couple of things. One, you could face civil penalties of five hundred dollars a day for the length of the violation or even criminal penalties, which could be up to two years imprisonment and, uh, and a maximum fine of ten thousand um, dollars. You know, that, that's kind of at that reporting level. And the important thing there to remember is even some of those senior officers, those exerting substantial control, um, those individuals, they could also be subject to civil or criminal penalties um, if, if they were aware that the company should have reported and they didn't. Um, and then it goes one step deeper. Hey, you might be an individual that the company is reporting as a beneficial owner, and you may have provided false information or fraudulent information. If that's discovered, you as an individual could also be subject to civil and criminal penalties. So it's it's pretty important that businesses understand the requirement um, and and meet the mandate if they're considered a reporting company.
0: and And just to be sure, like so because we have people listening to this or watching this, I mean, they might own half a dozen companies, you know uh, you know or, I mean, you've got to be filing this for every single entity that you own, correct?
1: Yeah, you, you do have to file for all those individual entities. Now, if some of those are related, um, you know, w- within the corporate structure, there are guidelines that FinCEN has established, um, kind of like a, a hierarchy and in, in, in a chart that helps you understand better. Um, do I have to report all of these? Do I only report some of them? Uh, you know, e- even when we get into tax exempt entities, how that works a- a- as well. But sure. Yeah, you're absolutely right with that thought process. They may have to do, mu- you know, multiple filings.
0: OK, a uh, little commercial here. So what does a firm like Paychex do to help their clients do this?
1: Yeah, So, so obviously it's a brand new requirement. Yeah. Uh, and, and that that's something that currently for, for Paychex, we are in the process of developing an offering. Uh, We'll certainly be assisting uh, those clients who would like assistance with completing this uh, to be able to help support them uh, through these filing requirements, as well as uh, the ongoing maintenance for all of those changes. You know, a beneficial owner moves or the business changes addresses or registers a new DBA name. Uh, We'll have an ability to assist employers uh, with, with all of those requirements.
0: I don't know. A few more of these. I'm selling my shares in Amazon. I'm buying some paycheck shares, Stephen, because this is, uh, this is, I'm, I'm a paychecks customer. This sounds, I mean, I'm going to have you guys do it because I don't have the time to monkey with this stuff. So, um, Steve, this is great information and we appreciate it. All of you guys are watching or listening. Just remember this corporate transparency act takes effect for most people on January 1st of 2024. So you really need to make sure you're on top of it. Uh, talk to your payroll service provider or HR expert or, you know, labor attorney. So you'll make sure that you are in compliance with these, uh, you know, with these requirements. Cause it's something that, uh, you are required to do. Steven Dombrowski is, is a senior compliance manager at paycheck. Stephen. Always great to speak with you. Thank you very, very much.
1: Thanks, Gene. Happy to share the information.
0: Everybody, you have been watching or listening to the Paychex Thrive podcast. My name is Gene Marks. Hope you enjoyed this. Well, you didn't enjoy that information, I know, but hopefully you got value out of this information. Uh, Please, if you have any advice or tips or would like to suggest a guest for one of our episodes, visit us at payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics. Again, my name is Gene Marks. We'll see you again next week. Take care. Do you have a topic or a guest that you would like to hear on Thrive? Please let us know. Visit payx.me forward slash Thrive Topics and send us your ideas or matters of interest. Also, if your business is looking to simplify your HR, payroll, benefits, or insurance services, see how Paychex can help. Visit the resource hub at paychex.com forward slash works. That's W-O-R-X. Paychex can help manage those complexities while you focus on all the ways you want your business to thrive. I'm your host, Gene Marks, and thanks for joining us. Till next time, take care.
1: This podcast is Property of Paychecks Incorporated, 2023. All rights reserved.